your prayers for the services. Glad to have everybody with us. And it's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Looking forward to a time of fellowship afterwards. Want to encourage each one to come out. If you didn't bring anything, could you at least bring your appetite out, out to the fellowship hall? We've got plenty. Please come. Please come eat. Please enjoy a time with us, with one another. We need to encourage one another in the Lord. The Lord, the day of the Lord is at hand. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to, if you, if you can't stay, come get just a plate to go. Don't take too much. I don't want to oversell it. <clears throat> but we sure would... And uh, like to have everybody come out Amen. and spend some time with us. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. I want to read beginning at verse 22, read down through verse 25. I don't really have a good title or a title. <clears throat> uh going to the compound name of God here that's used in verse 26 is Jehovah Rapha or Rafika, the Lord who healeth thee but I want to I, I really want to uh, not to focus on that aspect of it but the uh, the tree uh, the tree revealed by God is really what we're going to deal with. But verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. We we preached that. We we left them off there at the Red Sea. In between here we have the song of Moses. We're not skipping it because it's not important or less important. We're just moving here to this portion because that's the direction the Lord gave us. But it says Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur... And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I want to stop reading there. This is a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to bear out here, first of all, this morning, and this is not the only expositional sermon or exposition of these verses. Well, these are some things that the Lord has given me 
And I want you to notice first of all here that the condition or the, the place of the people. The Bible says they had gone three days. They had gone into the wilderness some three days and the Bible says that there was no water. That's a terrible place to be, isn't it? Three days out from civilization into the wilderness and there's no water. And the Bible tells us a little further, then they came to a place called Mara and the water was undrinkable because it was so bitter. I'm sure you've had something bitter before and wasn't very good. I remember just some, some of the worst things I ever put in my mouth. I remember we were at an A&P. That'll take you back. We were at an A&P grocery store and they had a, uh, a coffee grinder at the end of the checkout. You'd buy the coffee and then they'd grind it there for you. And I, I, My dad handed me a coffee bean and he says, Here, this is what the coffee bean looks like. And I uh, immediately took that, put it in my mouth and started chewing on it. It's awful. It's awful. I remember some years ago, my mother, there was a chocolate bar way hidden up in the cabinet where she kept stuff when she was baking. I said, Ma, I said, I, wanna, I want some of this candy bar. She goes, no, you don't. I said, yeah, I do. I want some of this. I want some chocolate. That's what I want. I said, it says right there, chocolate. She goes, I'm telling you, you don't want it. So I begged her and begged her. She finally gave it to me. It was baker's chocolate. It was tasted like bitter, like coffee. It was awful. So if you ever want to know what bitter's like, go get you some coffee bean and chew on it or get you some baker's chocolate. And that's what this water was like. It was real bitter. Undrinkable. <clears throat> and so here they were. And I want you to see here in this passage of Scripture... That here's a condition of them that are lost. See, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no water. And all our experiences are bitter. Now I want you to observe here, the Bible tells in verse 22, So Moses brought Israel. Now humanly speaking, it's Moses who brought them there. But if you look back in Exodus chapter uh, five, Exodus chapter 5, I want to read to you beginning at verse 1 that this was all the plan and purpose and design of God. You see, just like God had brought Israel out to the Red Sea and they were between the two mountain ranges and behind them was the Egyptian army and in front of them was the Red Sea. They were in that gulch. The Bible tells us God led them there. It was no mistake. Well, it's no mistake that God brought Israel here to a place where there was no water, and then when they did find water, it was bitter. It's all by divine design. And in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1, let's read. It says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. 
Let us go, we pray thee, how many days? Three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And then you turn to chapter 15 and you read there in verse 22, the Bible says, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went how many days? Three days in the wilderness and found no water. You think that was happenstance? You think that was just based on lucky stars as people say? Or you think they were just unfortunate? No, this was the Lord's doing and it ought to be marvelous in our eyes. See, God brought them out here for a purpose. And He was going to show them just how awful their lives were apart from God. And you know, God does this work on lost sinners, doesn't He? He did that work on Saul of Tarsus. He began to show him how awful his life was. Showed it to him on the road to Damascus. And He shows all kinds of sinners when He begins to reveal unto you how awful, how wicked, how sinful, how unrighteous, how depraved we are apart from Jesus Christ. Look over in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You know, it's an amazing thing how that God reveals unto us our sinful condition through the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And, you know, folks come to see how wicked, how vile, how wretched they are. God abases them. You know, we all kind of are like that Pharisee that looks around and says, God, I thank Thee that I'm not like other men are. And when God saves you, why, you've made a real long journey from being like that Pharisee down to the publican where you beat on your chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's the longest journey I think you'll ever take. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, notice what the Bible says. And you hath He quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. Uh, the Bible goes on, "...the Spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our lifestyle, the manner of our life, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." You see, that's the thing that God has to reveal to each and every one of us. He has to show us how sinful we are. We're not a little sinful. We didn't just miss the mark by a little bit. We missed it, as the expression is, by a country mile. We're sinners. Amen. Amen. We've trespassed against God. We have thumbed our noses at Him. We have rebelled against Him. We have transgressed Him. We have violated His law. I know people minimize this when they say, well, we're all sinners. That's exactly right. We are all sinners. 
We have sinned against a thrice holy God. He is so holy that He cannot look upon iniquity. That's why He had to turn His back on His Son at Calvary when my sin was put on Him. That's why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God's going to reveal that to you. And I've told you how the Lord, He revealed unto me my unrighteousness. You see, you think you're righteous. You think you're all right. Well, I haven't committed this sin. And I haven't committed that sin. And I haven't done this. I tell you what, I'd be surprised if you hadn't actually committed that sin and that sin and this sin and that sin in your heart. I'd be surprised if you hadn't. Because that's where sin is. It's in the heart. That heart is desperately wicked. It is deceitful. It's no good. It's all the way corrupted. And God reveals it to us. He takes us to a place and He says, here you are, all by yourself. There's no water. And when you find it, say, well, well, look, I found a little water. It's bitter. It's undrinkable. That's where every one of us are outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where I was until God saved me. And if you're not saved here, you are in that place right now. If you don't believe that, it's because God hadn't revealed it to you yet. If you're not worried at the fact that you're going to hell and you have not repented and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ yet, it's because your eyes are blinded by the God of this world. And I've been there. And you know what? It's a horrible thing when you find out where you really are, but it's a good thing that it happens. The Bible teaches us that this is our condition. And you know, if you look back in the text of Exodus chapter 15, the Bible continues on, and you know, they came to this place. They came there three days. God led them there. He brought them there because He was going to do something that would render Him glorious. That's going to magnify His name. And that's what salvation does. It glorifies God. Now you read here in Exodus chapter 15 and you get over to verse 24. First they went, there's no water. Then they get to Mara, and it's bitter water. And then in verse 24, and the people murmured against Moses. Now Moses is indicative and representative of the law of God. And isn't that what people do today? They murmur and complain against the law of God. They cry and they whine and they speak against God's law. And that's what sinners do. We sit there and we say, well, this isn't right. This isn't fair. And so God brings out here them to this place and when they see their awful condition, what's the first thing they do? murmur. Do they cry unto the Lord? Nope. They murmur against God. 
and against Moses. A type of Jesus Christ. This is the same thing that happens with sinners. God begins to reveal their condition. It's kind of like Adam. You know, when God came to him and he says, Did you? Who told you you were naked? And he says, Well, God, that woman that you gave me, she gave me of that tree and I ate of it. See, he eventually got to the part where he ate of the tree, but he starts out with God, the woman you gave me. And Israel, like lost sinners do, God begins to reveal their sinful condition to them and they murmur. They complain. They'll begin to complain about the preaching of the Word of God. They'll begin to complain about how it's too harsh, it's too this, it's too the other. The reality is, is that the Spirit of God is dealing with you in your sinful condition. And it's a hard thing, and it's the best thing. Because God is revealing to you how wicked you are. He's just closing in on you. He's painting you in a corner where you have nowhere to turn but to Christ. You can murmur all you want. It doesn't change your condition. Israel murmured about no water and bitter water and you know what? They still had no water and they still had bitter water when they got done. And sinner, no matter what you do, you're still going to be a sinner except you come to Christ. That's where you'll be. You can have all the arguments in the world. You can be like the Pharisees who are going to one day say, along with a whole bunch of other religious people, Lord, look at all the works we did in Your name. Look at all the wonderful things we did. Guess what? If you're trusting in anything you've done to get you entrance into heaven, to gain favor with God, you are trusting in the wrong thing. Amen. Independent of everything you ever do, God saves based on the work of Christ. That's where salvation lies in. In His finished work. And so here's the lost sinner. There, no water. That's, that's rough. You're three days away. You're out in the desert. There's no water. Everything you got. You got your body. You got your spouse. You got your kids. You got all your animals that you went. You got the old people. You got the young people. They're all out there. Guess what? Doesn't matter what you got in this life. If you don't have Christ, you have absolutely nothing. Israel had their cattle, their sheep, their ox, their goats, the birds, the turtle doves, all these animals for offering sacrifices unto God. They had their spouse, they had their parents, they had their children, some had grandparents, and guess what? They still murmured. Because only Christ will satisfy. I know there's a lot of people who say, well, at least I've got my health. You don't even have that. Because you're dead in trespasses and in sins. 
Then I want you to notice the Bible tells us in verse 25 that it says in verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord. Moses cried unto the Lord. Here we have an intercessor. Here we have one who went between the people and the Lord. The Bible tells us that there is one mediator, one go-between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There is an intercessor. See, right now, all sinners are doing is there's no water, there's bitter water, and we're murmuring. That's all we've come up with as sinners in 6,000 years is I'm a sinner and I'm going to complain about it. That's it. That's the best we can do. It doesn't change anything. And we murmur and say, well, it's not our fault. That is your fault. You're the one that sinned. But here's the intercessor. Here's Moses. Here's Christ. And what's he do? The Bible says in verse 25, he cried unto the Lord. Moses, he seeks divine help for their condition. This is the only help there is for lost men, women, boys, and girls is that God would be entreated. There is nothing that anyone in this room can do for you except point you to Christ when it comes to your sinful condition. I can pray with you and guess who I'm going to pray to? Christ. Just like that Philippian jailer who came out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What was their reply? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's still the same truth. So many down through the Scriptures cried unto the Lord. And this is what we have to do today is cry out unto Him. The Bible tells us, if you look over into Acts chapter 10, there's a man by the name of Cornelius. And he was one, he feared the Lord. He was a soldier. And he was one who had been praying Unto God, and the Bible tells us here in Acts 10 and verse 31, we read here of what God revealed to him. You see, the purpose of calling on to the Lord is that God would answer it and reveal some things to us. In Acts 10 and verse 31, and said, Cornelius, Thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, 
who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Moses cried unto God. Now we read that the Cornelius, who did he pray unto? He prayed unto God. And you know what God did? He sent him Peter to preach the gospel to him. See, there has to, there's those who are interceding. And God reveals things in prayer. And we find here that Moses, the Bible tells us that he cried unto the Lord. Look over in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. We find here there's a, a great amount of truth in this. Today's modern false gospel is that you don't need to cry unto God. That you can just repeat some words. You can walk down this aisle. You can do this, that, or the other. But the Bible says Moses cried unto the Lord. That word cry carries with it a desperation. He's pouring out his soul unto the Lord. Either God, we're going to perish, or you've got to do something. In Lamentations chapter 3, if you find Jeremiah, you can just go to the next book and find Lamentations. I know we don't turn there often. Lamentations 3 and verse 25 and 26. Notice the Bible says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him to the soul that seeketh Him. That's what crying out is. You're seeking after God. You're waiting on God only. Moses didn't pray and then do something. He didn't pray and then pray to Chemosh or Moloch or any of the other false gods. He solely cried out unto the Lord. You see, God's bringing them to the place and He's got to bring you and He will bring you to the place where you, like Simon Peter, you begin to sink in the water and you just cry out, Lord, save. Moses cried unto the Lord, verse 26, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. What are they going to do? Dig a well? The water's bitter. They only found bitter water. They're in a desert. There is no water. And so they cried out unto the Lord. And this is where God brings you to. He brings you to the place where that we cry unto Him, we speak solely to Him, we say, what must I do to be saved? We must be convicted in our souls that apart from Christ, we deserve every bit of God's wrath. Amen. And that's where the Lord brought them to. He brought them to the end of themselves. I'd like you to turn back to our text. We find here that there was one who interceded on their behalf. 
And the Bible tells us that God, He did something. Well, you and I that are saved, we need to intercede on the behalf of lost sinners. We need to pray for them. I mean, we need to cry out unto the Lord for them. You know what it is to cry like a newborn baby crying for its mom? That baby, it doesn't quit crying until it gets... I I know. And it cries and cries and cries and keeps crying until it's satisfied with its mother. I remember Horatio, he was little. It had been a couple, couple weeks very long weeks. And Cassie said, she goes, I, 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 need a, I need a minute. She goes into the bath. She's taking a bath. And no sooner than she got in it, he started crying. So I went got him, picked him up, bounced him, walked him, burped him, fed him, played with him. Everything I could do with him. Finally, I just set him down on the ground. Just set him down on the, on the ground. And he kept crying. And I tried to keep him away because I was trying to give her a minute, you know. Like 30 of them. Finally, she, she comes out of the bath. Gets dressed. Comes in. Picks him up. And he quit. I said, I see how it is. I see how you are. But the point I want to make is we need to cry unto God continuously until He comes in and picks them up. Until He saves them. So I've been praying for this one for weeks then pray for months. So I've been praying for this one for months and pray for years. I've been praying for this one for years then pray for decades. Until God comes in and saves them. Intercede for them. The Bible tells us here that the Lord, when He was cried unto, verse 25, and He cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. I believe this is indicative of Calvary. You know what God didn't show him? He didn't show him religion. He didn't show him anything except for Calvary. This tree is where is indicative and representative of where Jesus Christ was crucified, where my sin was placed upon him, where he became sin for me that I might be the righteousness of God. You see, apart from Calvary, there is no way of salvation. So many are trying to circumvent, trying to go around, trying to avoid repentance and faith in the finished work of Jesus at Calvary, and you cannot do that and be saved. 
The Lord showed him a tree. Nobody else could show him this tree. I sat underneath the preaching of the Word of God for 17 and a half years, and it wasn't until God reveals it will they believe. You can have the best sermons. You can have the best illustrations. You can have some wonderful charts, better than mine. But they will not be saved until God reveals it to them. It is the power of God. Now that doesn't absolve us from preaching and teaching the Word of God. It doesn't absolve us from from, from, uh, making them wise unto salvation through the ministering of the Word. But this is the key thing. That God must reveal it to them. And this revealing comes by what? The preaching of the Word of God and our fervent, effectual prayers on their behalf. He revealed this tree unto them. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.25 that Jesus Christ is set forth to be a propitiation for our sins. God has set Him forth. The only begotten Son of God who is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. You know it? Acts 4.12 There is no name given given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. There is only the person of Christ who has been declared for salvation. He reveals Him. I'd like you to notice as well in Exodus 15 and verse 25 when it says he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. As I understand it, the the inference or the indication here, I'm told this is more so revealed in the Hebrew that this tree was nigh at hand. It was not a ways off. It wasn't another three days journey. It wasn't in a vision It was right there. Turn over, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. If you're here and you're lost and you felt the the weight of your sins, You don't have to do anything except cry out unto God. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, verse 8, But what saith it? The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is the Word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The kingdom of God is not far off. It's nigh thee. Salvation is right there. All one needs to do is call out unto God. And now what it says... 
For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich, and all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here was Israel. God had revealed them their condition, their weight. You know what? If they didn't if they didn't get some water that they could drink, you know what was going to happen to them? They were going to die. And if you don't come to Christ, you're going to die an eternal death separated from God for all eternity. And God says, here's a tree. And it'll make the water here drinkable. And our response is, no, no, no. I'll fix the water myself. You won't fix this water. Apart from Calvary, the water will never be drinkable. And you're going to die. You're going to die separated from God. You're going to die apart from Him. It's going to be a miserable life. As you go into eternal damnation. So this tree that God revealed... It's the only thing He revealed. He reveals Christ unto us. And without Christ, we are condemned. Now I want you to notice as well that this tree must be received and applied. Notice in our text of of Exodus chapter 15 and verse 25, it says, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So I want you to note here that this tree will do you no good except you apply it, you receive it, and you apply it. The preaching of the gospel will do you no good except you believe it. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ at Calvary will do you no good except you repent and believe the gospel. The sacrifice of Christ at Calvary, the propitiation of our sins, it will do you no good except the blood be applied to your account through faith in Him. The divinely appointed remedy must be brought into contact with the polluted water to make it sweet. Now I think everybody here in this room has been sick one time or another. And you go to the doctor and the doctor prescribes you some medication. And you go to the pharmacy and you fill it and you get home and you know you put it where you put your medicine and you never take it, and you call the doctor up, and you say, Doc, I'm still sick. He says, did you fill the script? He said, yeah, I filled it. He said, did you, did you take any of it? No. No, I never took one single pill. What do you think that doctor's going to say to you? He might put you in the loony bin. Calvary will do you no good except you believe. 
that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, was crucified, shed His blood, died, was buried, and rose again, third day according to the Scriptures, and He fulfilled the law of God and paid your sin debt. Except you believe that, it will do you no good. Except you believe it in the heart, it will do you no good. Except you believe it in the heart and confess it with your mouth, it will do you no good. See, there's a lot of folks who've confessed it with the mouth, but they've never believed it in the heart. And so this has to be received and applied. And then, and only then, will that which is bitter become sweet. Verse 25, And he cried unto the Lord and said, The Lord showed him a tree, which when he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and ordinance, and there he proved them. There the waters were made sweet. It is the power of the cross of Christ which will transform lives from deadness unto life. And it is only the power of the cross that does such. I know today a lot of people talk about religion. Oh, you need to be baptized. You need to uh, do this, that, and the other. You've got to do this. No, you need to believe. You need to repent. You need to cry out unto God. You need to seek Him that He would pardon and forgive you and that He would save you from your sins. And say, well, I've cried unto Him, but He hasn't saved me. Then keep crying unto Him. Keep calling out to Him until He comes and takes you out of the pit and the miry clay and sets your feet upon a rock and establishes your going and puts a new song in your mouth. They told that Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, not thou might be saved. No, you'll be saved. Say, well, I'm, I'm trying to repent. Ask God to help you to repent. I'm trying to believe. Ask God to help you believe. Cry out unto Him that you might be saved because your eternal soul and life is at stake. Thou have been weighed in the balances and you are found wanting and the only thing that will satisfy God is the perfect work of Jesus Christ. And His death, burial, and resurrection will only satisfy your sin debt. God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Will you come to Him? Will you call out unto Him that He might save you? I'm going to stand if the song leader will come. We'll sing a verse of invitation.